Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. We at House Graham will answer the call. We also have Robin Barr. Spicy. Robin <laughs> Spicy Bar. No longer Honey Bar. Um, anyway, that's a <laughs> deep cut joke for anyone who knows Robin's middle name. Hey. Should be all of you. I assume everyone who's listening has heard every episode of this podcast. Excellent. We yeah. demand it. <laughs> if you haven't done the fucking homework, why are you here? Um, especially as this uh, program morphs more and more into just all of us like exercising our like deep seated traumas. Oh, I was going to say our deep seated stupidities. Oh, I was going to. No, no, I went with traumas. Um, but anyway, so here we are. We're here to talk about Dune, uh, the new film out in theaters now uh, from director Denis Villeneuve. Don't forget uh, HBO Max. Oh, yeah. It's also on HBO Max. Um, and this is, of course, he an said adaptation. begrudgingly. <laughs> I have watched it on HBO Max, but I did see it the first time in the theater. Uh, so spoiler alert, I've Same. watched this movie twice. And Same. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, we'll talk about it. Uh, this is an adaptation of Frank hopefully, Herbert's hopefully, science fiction hopefully novel. Hopefully, not a, not a Godzilla repeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd be funny. Self-flagellating. I watched Denis watched Villeneuve's <laughs> Dune, and then I watched, uh, you know, the the television <laughs> miniseries, and then I watched uh, the David Lynch version, and then I forgot what the original was like. So I've watched seven Dunes. <laughs> No, um, that is Isn't that is gonna... Children of Dune, like that sci-fi channel did a million years ago. <sighs> That's on my list as well. So you really fucked up. You didn't do your whole homework, man. I didn't. I didn't. You, I... Is that Children of the Corn? Is that what no, you're Children of Dune? To? No, I think it's children called it Children of Dune. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm probably making this up. I don't know. No, no there's no. there. So the books are like Dune, and then there's like Children of Dune. There's like God Emperor of Dune. There's some Son other... of Dune. Yeah, Children of Dune is a nineteen. 19- 76 science fiction novel by Frank Herbert. Butter on the Latch of Dune. part science fiction <laughs> miniseries. On the occasion of remembering of the turning Dune. Coming Dune. I'm just like picking Days every obscure Dune. art film and just like throwing the word Dune into it. <laughs> Manchester yeah, the, by the Dune. Children, children of Dune has a, has a shirtless James McAvoy. Oh, um, well, why are we talking about that? What about Call Me By Your Dune? Call me by your <laughs> tune. I feel like the Give main character's day. name is Dune. The Dune Dispatch. Name isn't Paul, it's just Dune. My Dune. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, um, Baron Harkonnen. We've, we've already gone so far. I'm glad we don't have a guest today. We sucked a lot of spice up our noses before. <laughs> I have spent all day with my mother, who I have a weird sexual tension with, in a uh, still tent, and I am high on spice and high on life. <laughs> it wasn't just me then who felt the heat. 
Oh but, uh, yeah. We will talk about it. There is a scene where they are uh in in like a, a bad lovers, situation lovers and they're about places. to get undressed and they like cast some looks at each other and I was like, "Oh yeah. shit, are we going here?" <laughs> it um, was pretty horny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do I get it? She's Rebecca Ferguson. How could you not be? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh oh, god, again, we just like real We're all in agreement here. <laughs> nuts tangents. Um so we're yeah, we're here to talk about Dune. Uh this is from Denny V, who's one of our favorite directors here Denny on the Film v. Stage show. And um it stars Tragedy Chevrolet, Rebecca Ferguson, and Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really star Zendaya. I don't know. One She's of, the uh, third yeah. listed on IMDb. It, it's a one little of, disingenuous. What one of my favorite podcast uh hosts, he uh constantly anytime an anime comes up, he constantly gives it a a goofy name like on purpose and he was talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion or Evangelion whatever you want to call it and yeah. he said Neon Genesis Evangeline Lily. <laughs> <And> he just <laughs> he just like keeps doing this over and over and it, yeah, he's he's that reminded me of that. Go I am. Um, why did I even start doing that? It was because of. Uh, it was because. Benedict like, Cumberbums? No. Uh, fucking Jordan and I were talking about this and was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I've got to like get over the hump of the fact that it involves. And then I just started calling Timothy Chalamet by like seven different names, which I will look up and attempt to use throughout the course of this podcast. This podcast, which again is ostensibly going to be a review of Dune at some point, uh, before we get to that, let's uh, talk about the usual stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook The Film Stage Show, email us podcastfilmstage.com, and of course give us a comment and rating on iTunes. And you can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. Uh, while there, you can talk to us on our Slack channel, and you can uh, get first crack at all of our awesome little raffles that we do over at the film stage so that's uh that's that um we are also brought to you of course by mubi the curated streaming service that brings you exceptional films from around the globe every day mubi premieres a new film what's well, timeless classic a cult favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece it's guaranteed to either be a movie that you have been dying to see or one you've never heard of before and there's always something new to discover with mubi each film is hand selected and so you'll never spend a lot of time figuring out what to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. So um, it's uh, it's it's the old Halloweeny season. Hopefully, this will get out to everyone before Halloween. We are recording tragically late, so if you have been champing at the bits to hear our thoughts on Dune, apologies. Um, but there's some great stuff on Mubi right now. I want to highlight a Hungarian animated short called Panic. An idiosyncratic critique of consumerism, this frenetic animated collage transports the familiar trope of monster mayhem to a prismatic alien civilization plastered with magazine cutouts. This is my favorite part of this whole thing. Often shown during Star Wars screenings, this awe-inspiring short became widely beloved and popular in Hungary. <laughs> so that's some interesting history, and you can now watch Panic! on movie For a free 30-day trial, all you gotta do is go to MU bi.com slash film stage again that is mubi.com slash film stage so go and do that um do we want to talk about anything before we talk about dune it is it's been like a week and a half since we last spoke to each other 
a lot has happened in the world and in the world of film. And then, uh, did we want to? Did what we want to take a time happened? to talk about uh, a fucking Alex Baldwin or Alec Baldwin oh, murdered someone? I fucking forgot about that. Old news. <laughs> uh, well, he didn't murder. He negligent homicided. I don't even know what to to say about that. Like, he yeah, it's 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 still too the gun. Yeah, that's the thing. I is don't like, know if he's the murderer. No, Everything I mean, well, he's that's the thing is, is like <laughs> that's what makes it such a a horrible a horrible situation is that like. The negligence of the producers and I guess the armorer and like everyone else and like, you know, the, the AD and everything and possibly the director put him in a situation where he is now responsible for the death of another human being. And I don't know how you ever come back from that. Like, yeah, that's 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 awful. Like there's layers to this thing that are crazy. So, I mean, you know, just uh, bananas. It's 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 so it's so fucking crazy. I like still can't wrap my head around it. It's um, yeah, yeah. it's hard to believe that something of like that can happen. And uh, it's uh, it lets you. It really makes you think. Like, yeah, like you watch a movie like this, or like you know James Bond and like the stunts they do there, and it's like, yeah, it is. It is shocking that movies ever get made at all. In all honesty, with anyone staying safe at any point during the whole situation, so it's crazy. But anyway, let's talk about Dune. Dune, the new film that is out in theaters and on HBO Max right now from director Denis Villeneuve, who uh, previously was here uh, to with a, a rival. Was Rival really the last film from Denis Villeneuve? Yeah. When was that? 2018? Um, oh, no. Arrival apparently was before Blade Runner 2049, which is crazy. Hmm. He had a super busy couple of years. Uh, Prisoners came out in 2013. Enemy came out in 2013. Sicario came out in 2015. Arrival came out in 2016. Blade Runner 2049 came out in 2017. And then Dune was... Sicario? Yeah. He did original OG Sicario, not Day of the Soldado. I hated Sicario. Oh, Sicario was fucking awesome. Fucking awful. Wow. Ooh, that was a clever reversal of the thing that I said. Wow. Um Yeah, he did Arrival in 2016 and then Blade Runner 2049 in 2017. Like that's some that's some output. And then of course like, you know, there would have been only 3 years between movies, uh but then coronavirus happened. So yeah, now we have this. Now we have Dune, which is finally out now in the year of our Lord 2021. Again, in theaters and on HBO Max. And this movie uh, stars Tehachapi Cabernet, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> yes, Zendaya is in it. Uh, but also, let's let's talk about some people who are in it for more than 12 seconds. We got Oscar Isaac. We got Stellan Skarsgård. We got Jason Moa, And we got Josh Brolin. And we got Javier Bardem. And we got uh, Charlotte Rampling. And Dave Bautista. And Sharon Duncan Brewster. And Chang Chen. I mean... David Dismalchin. The the list goes on. But anyway, we are here and we're going to talk about all this stuff and it's going to be awesome. So, um, yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, before we start talking about it, however, here is the trailer for Dune. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. Outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. 
their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? I had to keep it going up until the point that I heard that chanting. Because that is just awesome. But anyway, we are here to talk about Dune. Let us do it. Uh, we begin, as always, with our... Let's do I need Dune to- it. <laughs> Let's get Come it, on. Dune. Um, I, I just realized I was about to plow ahead you, without yeah, giving a synopsis. With a guest. Well, what? You, you said, we begin, as always, with our... <laughs> I think you were about to say, our guest's opinion. <laughs> no, I was going like, to no. say, like, we begin, as always, with our, our basic nutshell reviews. Uh, but then I was okay. like, oh, do I need to give a synopsis to this? And... Um, Sure, why not? So according to IMDb, this is what this movie's about. Feature adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. And that is, in fact, a fairly accurate description of the plot of this movie. So let's begin. Uh, Let's start with Bill. Bill Graham, what are your thoughts on Dune? Nutshell thoughts on Dune. Yeah, uh, I've I've seen it twice uh, since I got back from my honeymoon. Uh, I saw it the day after we got back, so in the theaters. Uh, I fucking love it. Um, I think I don't know if this is like a perfect film or anything like that. I'm not gonna say that. Um, I'd probably give this like an eight and a half out of ten or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'll probably watch it about three or four more times before the year ends. <laughs> um, that's just how much I enjoy it and like it. Um, one of the biggest things that I can say about this film is that because of everything surrounding it and you know i've listened to multiple podcasts about dune by now and everything like that but i'm just intrigued by this world and this story um i may not go deep into it uh we'll see where where i end up finishing uh because there's definitely like a marathon of books that you can read but and i've heard they've got they get increasingly weird. Um, But yeah, this movie just in general makes me want to go pick up the book. And like, I don't know if there's a better like uh, selling point for a film that gives you enough, but doesn't give you everything. And so you're still wanting more and I still want more. And of course there's, you know, Lionsgate has, went ahead and announced that or Lionsgate no legendary legendary. (laughs) uh, has has already announced that they're going to be making a a sequel which apparently unfortunately it seems like late 2022 is the earliest that Denny can like ramp things up and get this thing going if at all um it is a little bizarre that they decided to go the old school like yeah we'll make one and then we'll make another one and not just like especially because it opens with like let's make one and see what happens like but usually i I think that would happen if you made like a full standalone film like the first indiana jones right you're just like raiders of the lost ark and then it's like oh the shit people liked that maybe we should do some more and this one is like we're gonna make it part one yeah, and well, we're not I, I gonna. Mean, honestly, I think I think that was just Denny putting his his chips on the table and basically going, "Fuck you guys! If I'm making this, I'm making this as a part one. We're signing that contract, and if we don't make a part two, we don't make a part two. Okay, fine. But you know, 
everybody's going to look real dumb if we don't make a part two, you know? <laughs> so, um, I think, I think he called their bluff in a lot of ways. Now, I mean, it's certainly got the box office and the reception so far. Um, I don't think HBO max has released their numbers yet, but I'm sure it, it fucking did really well. Um, or actually I, I thought I heard a rumor that it like, it was the best streamed film that they've had. Uh, oh, but that's like the night. Netflix thing where it's like, oh yeah, we released Squid Game and 7 billion people watched it 14 times in the first 26 minutes. Sure. But I, I mean, mean I don't think they... math aside, like I know a lot of normies who really like this movie and have, and have uh, been watching oh, yeah. it. Are we allowed to call people normies? Are we not ourselves normies? Mm, or are we saying critics. normies to mean like people who are not film critics and watch every fucking thing? Correct. Okay. Correct. I mean it in both sense. Civilians. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. But yeah. I too I, have, have I, met I, many civilians who enjoyed this. <laughs> I I really, really loved it. Um, I am all in. I think the film is visually, which is, you know, kind of across the board for most of Denny V's films, uh, just exceptional. But I think something that's really interesting is what he's doing with this film and the way that he's kind of tweaking the narrative here and there, uh, the way he's pulling influences that were, uh, that, Dune actually ended up influencing and now he's kind of pulling those influences, whether it's Star Wars or some other things, uh, back into the fold. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, across the board, the acting is really, really good. Uh, the casting is, you know, I, I've been very vocal about the fact that I think this is one of the most stacked cast I've seen in a film in the modern era. It's just stupid. And yeah, I, I just really dig everything about this film. So, um, cool. cool, Give me that spice. Yes. So you (laughs) must be excited that the, uh, the second movie's coming. Um, yeah. Yes. All right. Rob and bar. What are your thoughts on Dune? I'm also stoked for Dune. Oh shit. Really? Yeah, what were you thinking? I don't know. I just like this whole week I've been like, oh, I'm going to have to deal with Robin not liking this movie. Uh, I was thinking I'm going to do with Brian not liking this movie. <laughs> first of all. First of all. First of all, give your nutshell review. <laughs> I'm going to yell at you later. I will. <laughs> Jesus so, Christ. Um, I, I'm a fan of the book, first of all. Um, I read it. How many, how many right of them college. have you read? Oh, I just read the first one. That was enough. Okay. Um, I'm okay. not a big sequeler un- unless I really, really need to go forth with the series. D- d- does the first one end in a in a? And that's that's one of the criticisms that this film is already getting. Is like people are like, it's only part one, and it's like, yeah, bro. And they're like, okay, but I feel like I'm I watched half a movie, and it's like, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it feels like that's like half okay. The book. It like, feels like just the well, exposition well, of the book, which is fine. There's a lot of universe. What, what, I'm, what I'm asking, though, is does the first book end in a way that's like satisfactory? The first book ends with an ending, if that makes any sense. Like this didn't feel <laughs> like it. it I mean, we'll, t- we'll talk about it, but this movie didn't really feel like it had a an ending or like a traditional climax, uh, you know, falling action, whatever it it kind of just ends whereas the books have, or like the first book has a, uh, a hero's journey that we have like that full experience. Kind of completes. Yes. Yes. So that's why I am definitely looking forward to the second one. 
Um, so, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I would say like, I enjoyed it for the story number one. So that's like solid, but the visuals and the oral pleasures of this movie are really what uh, pushes it forward for me. Um, just having, you know, the set design, the costuming, the, the tone really, really works. I I was talking about this with my husband because he also thought I would have hated it. Cause he was like, Oh, you were fidgeting. I was like, no, I just fidget in every movie. <laughs> like that's just who I am. Um, but he, he was surprised that I liked it as much as I did, but I was really, really captivated by the style of the movie. Cause I think it really, um, it really takes what was, what was so well, so well developed on the page and it realizes it. Um, so I just really enjoyed that. And you, Bill, you were kind of astutely mentioned that um, DV pulls from the Star Wars universe, where in fact Dune was an influence on the original Star Wars movie. Um, yeah, that's sort of like space opera thing. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, it's very I mean, obvious. I mean, look, look, I mean, he he. I think uh, Han Solo mentions early on, like he's running spice. Like th- mm-hmm. that's his all operation. And it's like, Oh really? A future world that runs spice. What the fuck is spice for? And it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, what are we back in the fucking East India trading company yeah. times? Like, and like desert know, planet like, and you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So it's, it's, it, I think it's really well done. Multi-toothed worm that lives in the desert planet. It's not yeah. a worm. It's just a butthole. It's just a pit. Um, it's, it's a sarlacc just a pit. giant anus. <laughs> sarlacc um, pit. Yep. It, it it just really worked for me. I I loved the sound design. I thought that was great. I I thought the music was just uh, really took over my body. And I'm really not the kind of person who who remembers compositions very well or like just the uh, soundtracks. Like unless it has a a song that I recognize or whatever. I don't really I don't really take in um, the what is it called the um soundscape score yeah i don't really take in the soundscape that well but i thought the music was just perfectly done so that's going to be going in my year-end uh awards choices i guess so yeah it just felt like the the whole aesthetic picture that you know uh you know draws it it just perfectly works for this movie. And I, I have seen Dune, uh, the Lynch version, which, you know, it's, uh, I, I struggle with criticizing that movie in some ways because the technology just wasn't there uh, to have a fully realized, you know, royal future scape in the way that uh, this <laughs> film can do. But at the same time, it was also just a poorly written movie. So I, it, it, it did what it, in some ways you could say it did the best it could do for like the early eighties, but did, did it really, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, so but visually, this is so much more enticing and we'll get a lot more into it, but I do think that the, um, tragedy Shilamond was perfectly cast <laughs> in this role. I mean, Paul is supposed to be this sort of, you know, slight kind of every white guy thing. I mean, the, the, the big issue that I have, not just with this movie, but with the narrative of this whole 
book series that it is kind of a white savior story like that and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more that's like the central like the central crux of this whole uh this whole franchise is that here comes this royal boy and he his whole world is stripped away from him and then he becomes the savior of this nomadic brown sure group of tribal people i mean it's but isn't isn't that series also like goes to links and pains to actually reverse that yes and no so it really does it does the whole like noble savage thing which is problematic in and of itself um this idea that well i mean like you know i only have this movie to go off of but they're not like not really noble savages like they have technology that's fucking incredible they do but you know that they're but their positioning is still within falls within those tropes i agree with you that they are more like tech savvy than maybe the average example of this of this archetype but i still do they are they are surprising they are surprisingly technologically advanced they're they're not but i think sometimes yeah yeah, but i think that's uh, and this is kind of the problem that we always get into when we talk about narratives like this where it's like there's like just no fucking good way to do it because someone's going to be upset no matter what because like if you come in through the outsider point of view or like, oh these people are savages and that's like oh no there's actually like millions of them and they're really good fighters and they've got great technology and they're clever as shit and holy crap like they're so smart then it's like oh like oh we're saying like they're smart like the white people or like you know, <laughs> I mean, but it oh yeah, like of course like, you it, thought they were but like oh it's such a surprise and it's like that's okay, what the but, noble savage trope is though but the, the noble savage trope is usually like they're simple, but in their simplicity rests a greater understanding. Whereas these people are more like Wakanda, you know, mm. to pick a, a modern thing where it's like, no, we let the world think we suck because we don't fucking want you here. Maybe, sure. maybe. But I mean, either way, it's Dances with Wolves. It's Avatar. It's. But again, it falls into like those same the, structures. It's, it's the same problem that like when we talk about like John Carter and like Tarzan and stuff where it's like, OK, but this technically came first. Like, like, sure. It, this That's the yeah. problem with adapting one of these stories that like, oh, it's like Star Wars. It's like, no, Star Wars is like this. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. I, I agree with you. First of all, this and this book came out, what, in 67 or I something? I think it's 65. And- yeah, and what is actually kind of incredible about it, I learned so much about ecology just reading these books. Like it, they're they're really really well developed in in terms of their like own intellectual interests and passions. Um, so I I just thought that was so fascinating. What I didn't like about this film is that it doesn't really establish how these society how the society was formed. Um, I was complaining about this to my husband when we got out of the film, but, you know, you don't really understand who the Mentats are and why they're interesting. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you even know who that is, but they're the guys who had the like the eyes. I think we're losing the thread a little bit. Uh. Uh, Sorry, maybe we're getting into spoilers. So I would like to talk about this, uh, how this is how the film hasn't really established like the full context of this world, but I will let Brian uh, go forward. All right. I got to talk. Um, I loved this movie and I am, I am, I am affronted and insulted that Robin would believe that I would not love. This I thought movie. you were a little basic bitch. 
bitch. I'm sorry. Why? I, first of all, I've loved every movie. you hate good things. I like every movie Denis Villeneuve has ever done that I've seen. In fact, I want to watch Polytechnic. Uh, it's on Criterion Collection channel right now, actually. So check that if you haven't. Um, no, Denis is like one of my guys. Like him, Terrence Malick, Nolan, uh, <laughs> Nicole Hollip Center for some reason just popped into my head. Like these are people that like... They make a movie and I'm like, oh, I'm probably going to love this. And even if I don't love it, I'm going to admire it. And then I'll probably love it in like two months, you know, when I'm thinking about it. Like, uh, just everything that he's made, I've really, really liked. So I was like, him making Dune? I have no interest in Dune. I don't really like Timothy Chalamet that much, but I'm going to I'm gonna hope for the best. And um, it, it worked. And I think part of what works is that he cast Timothy Chalamet because he needed a sickly underdeveloped (laughs) yeah like wax faced like piece of dog shit to be (laughs) edward scissorhands yeah to be like the the surprising messiah of this world and i'm like oh this is a movie that wants me to be like oh this scrawny son of a bitch um there was a tiktok that i saw that was like the, and it's from someone who clearly did not actually see Dune and probably just looked at, like, the poster of Dune, but was like, you know, Dune is science fiction because, like, you know, uh, people are talking about how hot Paul is or whatever when he's, like, got a literal daddy who I want to choke me. <laughs> um, uh, Oscar Isaac is not for me. I'm definitely more of a Chalamet boy. I mean, girl. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. a Chalamet boy. I'm a Chalamet girl. <laughs> I think the reason that you like Chalamet is because that in that relationship you could be the boy. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I like them worm like. <laughs> just, just give me that worm. Give me that shy old. <laughs> um, look at me using terms like a nerd. Um yeah, anyway, uh, my history with Dune is that I always thought, like, oh, Dune is, like, the heroine to Star Wars's weed. Like, it's just, like, you've gone too far if you start reading Dune. Um, <laughs> I never knew what it was about. I started reading it over the summer, and then I didn't have time to read it anymore. But in reading it, I was like, oh, no wonder people like this. It's like, it kind of has, like, a, a Game of Thronesy kind of vibe. It's like, there's houses, mm-hmm. exactly. you know. People are doing stuff like these people are clearly about to get fucked over. Um, But it's it is it is interesting in that everyone is quite intelligent and everyone makes what are ostensibly good decisions. And I mean, just like the visuals of this movie are incredible. And I love I love like I we've all said it like, you know, you get into this world and you're like, holy shit, like show me more. Like, let's let's break away from the main action just so I can like learn more about these palm trees or figure out what these Benny Jesserit are. Like, it's it's crazy. I love the fact that, like, this movie, we're talking about, like, being a white savior narrative. But that's because, like, literally, there's a collection of aged space nuns who are trying to make a messiah narrative. Because that's how they're going to contain maintain political control over the galaxy. Yeah, um, I know. That's, it, that's what helps me sort of move forward yeah i mean it's it's the type of thing where it's like oh it's like it, it again is kind of matrix-esque you know but i th- i think that um i mean we'll we'll have to get into well i don't know i don't know if this is a spoiler i hated the second matrix because it, it was like oh there was the machine's plan all along and it didn't feel like that's what they originally wanted to do 
It felt like they thought that could be like an interesting twist. And um, I really rather liked just like the concept of like that Neo was plucked out of obscurity and actually wasn't supposed to be the one, but then he became the one through the power of love because I'm cheesy like that. Um, But I like this one more because it's like, I mean, we've got like 700 other guys who could be the Messiah if your son can't hack it. So like, whatever, we'll give it a shot. It might be a little early. But, like, if he gets there first, he gets the title, so let's just see what happens. I like that they're, like, saying our our plans are measured in centuries. It's like we've been sort of uh, eugenically, like, pushing bloodlines together, and we've been, like, oh, yeah. laying down little superstitions, you know, to try to, like, make sure that when the time comes, we can really get our, uh, get our like, you know, eugenically bred messiah in there. Um so yeah, I mean like stuff like that. I'm just like that is that is clever as shit because you're like taking this whole like oh there's a prophecy that there will be the one and then you add into it like yeah, cuz that's just a whole other level of control that these people are able to do. And um yeah, I'm just I'm really into it. I'm really I really like it. I love I love the and it's not really explained in this movie, but I love the lack of computers. I love like the implied history there. I love that they like are flying around in these giant spaceships, but when it's time to fight, they use swords. You know. Well, I, just... I would like to talk more about that. About which part? I think it's a spoiler. The swords or the the swords, yeah. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, generally, I like this movie. I like the swashbuckling aspects. I like the courtly intrigue, and um, I'm excited to see where it goes from here because. Uh, yeah, like if I I kind of I kind of was annoyed at the ending only back when we didn't know that we were getting a second one. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I'm like, wow, that's that's a fucking great ending if there's another movie coming, but if there's not it was another a movie risk, coming. I think. Yeah, it's a huge risk cuz it, it literally ends with, "Hey, get ready cuz this is where we're fucking going next." And it's if like, I didn't we get finally to... get Zendaya. Woo! Yay, Zendaya. Um, uh, oh, also, I love, I love that, uh, we got a prophetic dreams and stuff, but they're, they're super weird and not literal. And, um, I really enjoyed the cleverness of the ways in which that they become real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's awesome. I loved it. I I really like this movie quite a lot. Uh, it might be on my top 10 of the year. I think it'll be be in mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's crazy for me also is I watched this movie, I came home, and then I watched it again. And then uh, the next day I watched Tenet because I was like, I want to see oh, another nice. big, crazy, awesome, like aesthetically pleasing movie yeah, uh, why made not? by a white man with an accent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I, yeah. And, and then I think it was like the next day that I saw something where it's like, oh, like Chris Nolan and Denis Villeneuve sat down and just talked about how much they loved Dune and Tenant, respectively. Oh. Yeah. Why not? I mean, the, it's the, game the recognized new, game. The new, the new golden boy of Warner Brothers and the former golden boy of Warner Brothers. Yeah. It's like the, the big brother who graduated and like left home and he's just like talking to his younger brother who's still stuck there. And he's like, don't worry, you'll get out one day. <laughs> I think I think, I think Denny B is is pretty happy. I think he's. Pretty I, he was happy fucking furious when he found out that the HBO Max thing was happening. Sure, as as was <laughs> Nolan, obviously. Well, Nolan um, had already gotten his his movie released. 
sure, but it, shortly thereafter. Oh yeah, but he was he was angry, but he wasn't personally angry because it didn't affect his movie. Sure, but he was um, you know affronted for all of us. On that note, I think uh, one thing that they did say is um, that Dune Part Two, uh, with a guarantee of forty-five day theatrical window. Okay. So, cool. yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna do that shit again. So, yeah. um, mm. which you know, I mean, uh, unless COVID twenty twenty two. Yeah, I was happens. just gonna say. <laughs> sure, sure. The the limit of this warner brothers kind of announcement was just to the calendar year it wasn't going to extend beyond that now you know obviously they can fucking do what they want and just doing pay the penalties want. doing what they want uh and just pay the penalties i guess um if they really want to and just fucking keep releasing them on hbo max but you know i don't think they're gonna do that because i think hopefully they are smart enough as a company that hey we just lost one of our big ticket filmmakers <laughs> let's not do that again you know so yeah no best that they not um but yeah i i don't think we need to like look we are obviously uh recording this on a thursday we already have an announcement and official green light that doom part two is happening so i don't think we need to beat around the bush and be like uh you know talk about this in any uh, without well i mean we're gonna uh, have a spoiler section i mean like let's, yeah, we can just but, move uh, into the spoiler section <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm saying that's what i'm oh, saying okay. like we don't need to continue to like talk like, about unlike, this unlike every other way. movie we ever talk about where we never spoil it unless we know there's a sequel coming. <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah, i mean no. yeah and also like this movie is super accessible and also it made 40 million dollars or something over the three days so like people are seeing it and like we've said a lot of civilians a lot of normies uh, a Boy. lot of basic people have all seen basic it. Basic bitches. And um, <laughs> that this is one of the movies. Like, I have a friend who's really into Star Wars, and um, I was like, I don't know, I don't really, I'm not really, I don't like Star Wars that much. Like, I was into it after the Last Jedi, and then I was off the wagon again, or back on the wagon of not liking it. But anyway, I I like to talk to him. I was like, Have you seen Dune? Have you ever read Dune? I've never read Dune, but I like Dune. You should watch Dune. We can talk about Dune. And um and again my uh my uh my partner at the distillery Arthur he watched it really liked it so I mean this this movie has broad appeal which is interesting because I was kind of worried that Denis Villeneuve uh, he's not like it's not like people like he his movies have made money obviously like you know I, I think I think but Blade are, Runner twenty forty nine was just such a a fucking bomb that i feel like people are just immediately like oh he doesn't make money right he doesn't get that 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 film was a hard sell i think for a lot of people because it is it is an iconic film that a lot of people were like why are we fucking doing another one of these yeah but i honestly i like i like 2049 more than i like the original so i i I get that but you didn't know that before you saw it that's true yes so I think that's where a lot of people were coming from is and, you know, I mean, even Ridley Scott's film has a fucking like nightmare production uh, in terms of its theatrical release and everything like that. Whether well, they kept he wanted the voiceover. It, I mean, yeah, I think one of the things that allows Denis to keep making movies like this, I mean, aside from the fact that like if you look at his movies, Prisoners made money. Enemy was super small. It didn't really matter. Sicario made money. They made a fucking sequel. Arrival made a shit ton of money. Blade Runner 2049 is the only one that I think was like financially openly unsuccessful in like correct, a way that correct. could hurt a a uh, a career. But people are still like, uh, 
How does well, he keep getting I mean, to make honestly, movies? But I think on, he's he's kind of got the Nolan sheen where it's like he comes in on time, on budget, and like no one thinks that he's an asshole. So like that's well, kind of all it takes in Hollywood sometimes. There, there's a couple of things. So uh, Dune 2049 reportedly nope, nope, almost... Nope. Nope. Uh, sorry, Blade Runner. Yeah, I know. Blade Runner 2049 reportedly almost did sink a company. Like their their film financiers were uh, not doing too hot after that. Because uh, yeah, that was that was a big bloodletting. Um, but I will say that this film now filmmaking in the modern age is is gotten real funky because of how you advertise things and how you distribute it and all of this other stuff that are kind of like secondary to the initial production budget but this film was made for 150 million dollars and it looks like it was made for 300 million dollars now there are wow. some sequences I didn't even know it was 150 well, I think yeah, it was 165 are, or something, but even then, it's this this movie is okay. still like we're, I don't we're, we're cutting straws at that point, right? Yeah, I know it's still like it's still sub 200 million, which is nuts. Yes. Like given which is, which is nuts for a film on this scale, where it filmed, like you know all of these other things, the cast, the crew. I mean, you know, th- this is a who's who of you know all sorts of different you know, below the line people as well. Um, But the other thing that I want to mention is that like, he's also very smart with how he spends his money. There's a scene and let's go ahead and kind of say we're jumping into spoilers, 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 spoilers. Spoiler section. Boom. Uh, My Dune. Uh, I love my Dune. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great. Um, So, uh, we should make that th- into the spoiler bumper. Just that that like female guttural <laughs> cry. Yeah, it- <laughs> I love it. Um, so one of the things that I noticed is there are some clever tricks that either he's doing to save money or he's doing because it is really effective. When the Benny Gesserit uh, visit the Atreides family on Kaladin. Uh, in the middle of the night, the sequence happens in the middle of the night, and all we really see of the spaceship is lights. And we see it like rustling trees and all of this. Now, granted, more than likely, uh, some of this stuff was probably done with like practical effects and a la like Star Wars and things like that, where they just had somebody bringing this fucking vehicle in with their hand or whatever. But like that effect happens at night and you don't really see the spaceship, which means the visual effects team that was behind that probably was just like, cool. We only have to render like 50% of this. And then he's like, yeah, it's a night scene. Like have at it. And they're like, cool. I can go see my kids this weekend. You know, like there are little <laughs> things like that, that like just not necessarily cut corners, but you can tell when like, it's like, Oh, that's an easy way to lean out this budget so that that sequence doesn't cost a million dollars. Right. And there are, and so now I can have five more of those sequences or other things like that. You know, uh, you film on location, you don't do everything on green screen, all of this stuff. It's, it helps kind of, uh, you know, save some production money. Um, but yeah, there, there are little things here and there. Uh, there's a lot of night sequences just in general, um, that you can tell where it's just like, Oh, 
This guy knows, like, he's not just fucking wasting money just to waste money, you know? Um, he he goes for it when he needs to, and he, he reigns it back when he needs to as well. Okay, that's our discussion of Dune. Thank you. Um, you. You now have the rest of your hour and a half that you uh, probably thought you were going to yeah, spend Yeah, I can eat this. dinner. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, I want to get to my complaint, which is... Okay. I was about like, to say, we need to, we need to figure one? out what progressive nits, nits there are to pick that take up most of our conversational time. Okay. It's not that nitpicky. I think it's important. So one of the things that make this book, or at least the book that I, you know, the first book works so well is that it gets deep into the mythology of this universe. Mm-hmm. And and from what I remember. Well, um, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Before we go too far into this, yeah. we do have to kind of understand that there is this reality of like the Game of Thrones and the Dune of it all where there are, you know, like I think Herbert made seven books and even some prequels and shit like that. So like, and I know you've only read the first book, but you know, potentially people are wanting to see the second film, right? Obviously. Um, so I don't know how much we want to talk about like what is more than likely in store, right? Like I, I want to be- We don't know that she's about to talk about that. So maybe we should let her talk about I, I, what she wants to talk I, about before we start. Sure. Laying I just wanted down. to- Like, I mean, I, I just, we're going to keep it to this movie, I assume. Everything's going to be in the context of this film. So. Okay. I'm I I'm not saying it has to go deep in the way that Game of Thrones does or Harry Potter or whatever. I just think what makes the the story work so well is that you understand more of the origins of like the Mentats, as I was saying, those mm-hmm. guys with the milky eyes who seem to know things, or uh, getting more information about the Bene Gesserit and what happened on earth i guess i mean from what i remember like i don't even remember all the details of it It would have just been nice been nice to be reminded that technology um has there are certain limitations on technology because of i think like the spacing guild has basically like artificial intelligence well it's like yeah it's so from from what I read in the book, like, and I, I remember talking to my dad when I first started reading the book because he had mentioned that he read it. And I was like, all right, well, he read it. He's not a he's not a trivial man. So, like, let's see what this is all about. Um, and I feel like I texted him like after 15 minutes. I was like, wow, they really throw you in the fucking deep end in this thing, don't they? Like, yeah, there's there's a glossary at the back. Just immediately. Just like, oh, the suspenser lamps and the Benny Gesserit and the Gomjabar and the, the Butlerian Jihad and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, holy Christ, Frank Herbert, maybe mm-hmm. calm down a little bit. It's like when my daughter just runs up to me and starts telling me about friends from school. And I'm like, I have no context. Slow down. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's um it's it is like there was like they have a thing about like no no technology can emulate or try to approach like the mind of man. It's like they they put that limitation on there because of a bad thing that happened in the past. Yeah, and yeah, I, 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 I like, just would have liked a couple of lines about that. Right, that's I think all. that 
it could have and been useful. And I think useful, the Mentats yes. are so interesting and like, no, you don't really understand their purpose in this movie, um, which is this idea that like these people have been bred to be human computers mm-hmm. and that's why they are weird and interesting. <laughs> and I just would have liked a little <laughs> bit more grounding in that kind of thing. Um, if you're going to go full bore into a universe like this, then we have to understand what makes this universe unique and not just like another fantasy sci-fi space opera type. Well, cause I mean, you know, for, for all of it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, like, you know, star Wars doesn't take place in our world. Like it just doesn't like it, it clearly doesn't. Um, but like Dune is technically like it is humanity, like 8,000 years in the future. Like it is, this is like the uh, an earth civilization that is like branched out into the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like it's um it's crazy. It's it's and yeah, I so I agree Robin like I think there's a a there is a a balance to strike there because like I know that when I was watching Game of Thrones like there was just a lot of shit when they were talking about like people's past and I was like I don't know what the fuck is happening. I'm like can we just stick with the people in front of us? I uh, mm-hmm. but like at the same time I found myself at the end of this movie being like, I want to know everything there is to know about this world. Like, which is not a thing that I usually feel in made up stories or like, that's not, Mm -hmm. that's not the right way to put it in, in like fantasy or science fiction where (laughs) they like Lord of the Rings. No, I don't really give a shit about like Lord of the Rings annoys the shit out of me because there's a point where he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot I have a cold ghost army that has to listen to me. You know, <laughs> let's go do that. I read the Lord of the Rings books. and I was like, if this motherfucker puts one more goddamn song or tells me the history of another fucking forest, I'm going to lose my goddamn <laughs> shit. Yeah, um, that's why I couldn't even get through the and Hobbit. And then he's, he's just like, the like, here's 700 pages about this book that I'm not actually going to have the characters look at. Oh, Battle of Helm's Deep. And it's over. <laughs> Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But anyway, I I, I do think. uh, Are you are you done? I think so. I well, I was just gonna say, like, I I walk out of this movie. I walk out of this movie, and I'm like, I need to know everything. Like, there is eight thousand years of history for me to learn. This is super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more more than that, actually. Oh, that's Um, the problem. Yeah, but that's that's so like because it's 10,000 AG after the spacing guild has been formed. So this is like real fucking. So it's more than 10,000 AD, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, well, I mean, obviously, but uh, and like, yeah, and and like I read one article because like someone posted it on on uh, on Facebook and it was like, hey, this is why there's no computers in Dune. And I was like, all right, I'll click on this. And I think it was like from GQ or something. And so it was like actually a well-written, like not clickbaity article. And like all of the answers were on a single page. I didn't have to go through a slideshow. Um, <laughs> and so I, I did. Fucking BuzzFeed. <laughs> yes. I did learn about like the Butlerian Jihad and like the AI that had kind of sort of enslaved humanity and everyone afterwards being like, okay, so let's not do that again. Like maybe we should <laughs> avoid that. So yeah, no, Elon I mean, like, Musk. stuff like that well, is, yeah, exactly. Uh, stuff like that is, is super cool to me. And I, I do think it would be interesting to get a little more of that, but I mean, it is, I don't know. I like, I, I'm, I'm curious if we're going to get more of that in the second movie. I mean, like, I don't even know that, that's, that's after the seeing that's, this, how they had any, how they, how there could be a first movie, like, you know, the David Lynch's movie, if, if they were only able to get like a halfway through the book. 
in two and a half hours. How the fuck did he get through the whole book? Yeah, and and left. That's left why it a was a shit out. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think I think there's a couple of things happening. I think this film has to sell this as a world as a franchise, and I think Denny probably realized some of his misgiving or some of his missteps on. Uh, I almost said Dune 2049 uh, on Blade Runner 2049. And that's not to say that that film doesn't have like a whole fucking movie that you can go watch so you can kind of fill in the gaps. But I feel like there are some films, there are some franchises out there without Game of Thrones, this film doesn't get made. Right. Um, because that yeah. gets you used to all of the houses and all of the intrigue and and warring factions and all of this shit. And all the you got to say soap is soap opera of it. it you, you just got to say House Atreides and House Harkonnen and stuff like that. And people are like, cool, I'm with that. Yeah, I, I know about, you know, the Daenerys and, and you know, the Starks and all of that <laughs> shit. And it's like, OK, cool. All right. Let's let's get into this. Yeah. So I think I think what Denny here is doing and, you know, I, I've even heard from some other book readers that are like, man, he left so much out. That's cool. He's going to make another movie and he can put a lot of that shit in there. Also, I would this have to was, say like, if, if you, if, if you, if you say that, that is fine. But if you say that because there's literally half a book to go, that's not fine. Get what, your head out of your ass. Like it's clearly ooh. there's a second movie coming. Wait, what? Like, if, if someone sure were to be like, were... oh, he left, like, the last 40 chapters out, it's like, that doesn't... Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. That, that's, that's not what they're saying. They're <laughs> yeah. saying they're saying that so... There, there apparently is a, a, like, widely beloved uh, dinner sequence that oh, really yeah. gets into a lot of, like, palace intrigue and the ins and outs of who these houses are and, and things like that. Um you know, and this was reportedly something that Herbert actually want, like specified. You have to put this in your David Lynch movie. Like, like this got to be in there. And I think it was cut out of that one too. And it's just like so clearly, like Herbert himself was like, "Hey, this is a great sequence." you need it in your movie and it's not in this movie and it happens yeah. in the middle of them taking over uh the uh dune what what, what the fuck is this uh, location uh arc what arrakis there's a the, arrakis. So i think the go. the planet is arrakis i think that the is the city arakeen or is that people of arrakis I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I we think clearly I, I, didn't I, get enough exposition. <laughs> I, I know what which you're is crazy because the movie is almost entirely exposition because it I know. Fucking has I know. To be. I agree with you because Arise the whole like, yeah, the it's the stronghold of, of Arrakis. Arrakis is just fascinating. Yeah. It's just but, so well done. But yeah, like the the situation is that like there is some stuff left out, and I feel like Denny in his like let me make this as palatable as possible for general audiences while also like having fun and like going into it as well right like there's a lot left on the floor to explore in a second film beyond just like finishing out this half of the story right or the second half of the story so i think you know this is this is the softball and now that 
it apparently was a home run. Now it's time to like fucking jump in with both feet, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think well, there's going to be a lot it's, more. It's funny to me that you're ahead. like positioning it as like he had to make it palatable for a wide audience. I'm like, this thing is fucking crazy. <laughs> like well, again, like like it, it it it's it's both of those things. Right. It's because because as you can see by the reactions by a lot of people, like a lot of people that I wasn't expecting to react this way to this film, like even Erica loved it. And like she she usually will like just kind of bow out on very science fiction heavy, very like if if it's got like a ton of exposition and shit like that, she's usually just kind of like tapping out at a certain point. Now, I mean, she watched Game of Thrones religiously with me, but she never read the books. She never, you know, really did the deep dive into the podcast and stuff like that. So, you know, there's there's a lot left um, over or left to be kind of explored for her. And yeah, she still really enjoyed this film. Um, she didn't fall asleep. So I was I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, so, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. I don't need the House of the Dragon of dune i just needed a couple of lines in the script that grounded me a I little gotcha. bit better right yeah. i think it yeah. might have been i mean uh, what i will say about this is that it, it's it, it's writing is very immediate and it avoids a lot of that clunky expositiony stuff like you know oh like the, it, you know it doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't because i actually enjoyed those weird projections Oh yes, those are great. Well, yeah, like, those that are, worked, I, but it was very like, here's your well, I like Wikipedia those because version it, of right, but because it's like Paul Atreides again is like a a a, a fucking you knock him over with a feather, pale ass son of a bitch, and he's like, well, I'm going to this planet, I should know some shit about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? like I related so, like, to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> he's helpful. Wikipediaing this. <laughs> this place right much like me fixing my sink before paul atreides goes to arrakis he's got to listen to three (laughs) hours of internet bullshit to try to make sure that he knows what he's getting into or do you Mm -hmm. learn how to do that stuff on tiktok these days because youtube is for old men (laughs) no because tiktok like i i like i i have i follow a couple of cooking channels on tiktok but it is not enough fucking time to tell me how to cook something like it'll start off. And it's almost like that uh, John Mulaney joke about the happy birthday sign where you start off with a big ass H and then like, you know, a big ass A. Oh, no, the P and then the little P under it. And then the Y is kind of curved. And so the TikToks are always like, guys, I made the best like crispy chicken strip, like, you know, with a chili sauce. And I'm going to show you how start with like. You know, it's it's blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's like halfway through and they haven't even gotten done like cutting the chicken up. And so then they're like, (laughs) no, combine your dry ingredients. And it's just like they flash the ingredients on the screen, like in a written form for like two seconds. And then they're like, now whisk it all together. Heat your pan. Uh, Throw some stuff in. That's good. And then all of a sudden it's like, here's your chicken strips. And it's like, was this a joke? Is this a prank? Because uh, I didn't get fucking any the, the of that. Benny, the, the Benny Hill music comes on. Yeah, it's it's it just called. like, it's just insane. It's, it's like definitely, like, you know, cooking shows are never going to make you a great chef. But, like, you should be able to sit there with a pad and a pen and then be like, okay, I get it. And then you can work from there. A TikTok is like, 
when your friend is like, here, I'll show you how to do this, and then just instead does it for you, but somehow even <laughs> less helpful because you can edit out the parts where you might be able to catch up and you can't ask any questions. Um, actually, I'm going to disagree with you on the declaration that you, cooking shows can't make you a good chef because I feel like I learned a lot from Chopped. Well, I think that they can give you the tools to then launch off and become a great chef, but I'm like saying like you're not going to like just watch one show and suddenly know everything. You know, gotcha. like there will be things that you have to learn on your own. So they're, they're a tool in the box to becoming a good chef. But I don't think you could become a great chef by watching nothing but TikTok because yeah, at a certain point, you're just like, wait, wait, no, stop. <laughs> I mean, hold can on. Can I get that put on a T-shirt? <laughs> you're never going to become a great chef by just watching TikTok? Yes. <laughs> oh, speaking of HBO Max, there's apparently a show on there. Uh, Selena Gomez, like learning to yeah. cook. Yeah. That looks adorable. Like, has anyone watched that? It's, it's Is it fun. good? It's yeah, I've I watched multiple episodes because I really like Selena Gomez and I really like cooking. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice looking. Do you watch it's, her murder it's... mystery show? Yeah, I've, I'm like a, I'm like a halfway through only murders in the building. Okay, what, me what, too. A, what are we doing? Uh, uh, fucking Hamilton. And B, <laughs> no, it's on HBO uh, Max still. <laughs> and B, the Selena Gomez uh, cooking show is delightful. Yes. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, I will accept your Hamilton only because you told me to watch this. Yeah, I hope you show. just Hamilton yourself, man. Yes. Um, well, and yes. the reason we were talking about that is why did we go on to TikTok and cooking? Oh, um, right, because I said that, you know, Paul Atreides going to Iraq is like me trying to fix the sink. Also, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the fact that, like, this movie shows people gathering and using knowledge like it not just like oh i remember the thing that someone said and like now i know to shoot the thing in the face like it's like paul is hanging out being like okay we're in worm territory we've got to do the sand walk that i learned about let's like try that out you know like there's an accumulation of knowledge and like duncan idaho being the only one who knows how to talk to stilgar because stilgar fucking spits on the table Everyone's like, oh, mm -hmm. you son of a bitch. And he's like, no, no, no. Water is super important to them. Uh, and uh, that's actually a way of showing respect by like wasting, you know, a millimeter sure. or a milliliter of water by spitting at you. Yeah. Wasting your body's they're... fluids or whatever. He's yeah. Doing. We thank yeah, you for the gift of your body's soon. moisture. <laughs> oh, yes. <Yeah. laughs> gift of my yeah. moisture. Now, if he pisses on you, you that's when he really you. likes you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the collaboration or like the collaborativeness scene in this movie is really interesting. And you and I think that's also very exemplified. I forget the character's name, but the doctor. Um, Dr. Ua. No, not that doctor, oh, but like Kynes. the ecologist. Oh, yeah. Dr. Yeah, Leah, Leah Kynes. Kynes. Yeah, I, heard, I thought her character was very interesting. Oh, I loved um, her. Somebody just like who was all in. <laughs> you know just like what do you mean all in somebody who i mean from from what i remember or from what i understand she's a representative of, of the empire yeah and she's like supposed has to be secret loyalties to the fremen because she's like uh, she's like appointed by the emperor and his whole thing is like your job is to make sure that the change goes well that everything's okay in arrakis you see nothing you report nothing operate in this very very thin section of right, like yeah, yeah. you know what you're supposed to do and so they're like you got to tell people what the fuck is going on and she's like that's not my job 
I'm like just here to observe. And then so then when she's like, all right, I'm going to go tell the last of the Landsrad what's happened here. And she's about to ride the goddamn worm. And then she gets fucking stabbed through the stomach. What I like about that sequence in particular, though, is and granted, this film is PG-13, which is, you know, like a whole other thing. But when she gets stabbed it's not oh, the water that's yeah yes yeah because because he stabbed a still suit yep. and yep that's what's gonna come out of the still suit is it's fucking laced with water yeah you know and it's just like it's oh awesome oh it's a, it's a great little sequence that like gets around the pg-13-ness of it all but also is just like no like if you stab somebody what would spurt out of them in this sequence is fucking water <laughs> and then she thumps the thing and uh yeah i thought that was great that's another that's another that's another thing that i love so much about the worms that they do over and over it happens originally when uh they're rescuing the uh the the spice miner right and uh when timothy and uh josh brolin (laughs) are like running away from it all of a sudden like it hits like a sound wave in a way and basically like everything right in front of it is just fucking like just freezes like nothing can move and all of a sudden all of that sand starts to just like i guess the sandworm at that point it has this mouth underneath it or something mm-hmm. yeah so it's oh. all i mean so what it is is it, uh if you remember um what is that movie the movie that i didn't like uh Tremors? on it um a wrinkle in time no idea Oh, okay. They've got that thing where like the sand is on the plate and then you put a resonating frequency below the plate and you get the sand to like make a, uh, a, 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 like a pattern. Yeah. yeah. And so like, that's what's happening in this movie is like the sandworm is coming and it's vibration of the, the ground is like making the sand dance in this really interesting way. Like they, they, just, they like, visualize that a lot. Yeah. Touches like that in this movie are so fucking awesome. Like it's just, Again, just like, ah, that's just so cool. And I love it. And I like the fact that, like, it really, like, I don't know if that's practical or if that's CGI, but it's just so well executed. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, man. That is interesting if it it is or not. You know, because there's that famous sequence uh, in Jurassic Park with, like, the water. Oh, yeah. And they have, like, a bass guitar string under it. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and he was just like, this is what I want. Like, like I, and there's also like the famous, like, uh, you know, lineage of that is Steven Spielberg in like his old seventies, like with a big, you know, boom box in the back used to like vibrate his, his rear view mirrors. And mm-hmm. he was just like, that's what I want. Like yeah. I, I want, I want just like that zoom, you know? Um, and it's and it's it is the attention to detail and stuff like that that I just really enjoy from from Denis mm-hmm. Villeneuve and obviously like you know who, all the collaborators the cinematographers the effects people but like his ability to to just wrangle it all together and like know that yeah, that's an the important world thing building. yeah and I mean it's the same thing in like Sicario just like I remember just the way that the light moved through the like slats in a in a window on Sicario I was like that's just. That's like such a thing that you notice when you're in the world that a lot of stuff just wouldn't put on screen in a way that draw attention to it. And it's just like, I just love it. Like It's just great. It's just awesome to see that kind of stuff. He's, he's definitely a detail guy for yeah. sure. 
Um, and it, that can sometimes think, lead to a little bit of like uh, like emotional distance from some of the characters and some sure, of it. Like, and th- th- but that's, I'm, that's I'm a criticism to, that Nolan has as well, right? Yeah, but obviously, like, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, no, but I mean, that's a criticism. I've, yeah, and, and I mean, it's, I did hear valid. somebody say like this. I forget, maybe it was a Kristen Lopez, but she was like, sometimes this movie feels like a perfume ad, and I I kind of get it, like. A little bit that it's spice melange. Well, it's like a new fragrance from Calvin. I've, I've heard. I've heard one of the things is this film isn't sweaty enough, and you know I don't have to go into my whole diatribe about like sweaty movies, but. Yeah, I get it. Like, okay, the dude but wait, is supposed but to be in, fucking hot as hell. They're in but, still yeah, suits. For, so and and that that was, my, that was my that was my that was my my counterpoint. No, it's not just capturing the sweat. The still suit actually keeps you cool. Yes, so that too. you shouldn't be sweating, right? So your face shouldn't be sweating. Your body shouldn't be sweating. Mm-hmm. It should be cool inside of that suit. That's the whole point of this fucking thing. Is it makes it comfortable, right? Um, otherwise, this if it whole was movie a, should be like the like, beer commercial before the silver bullet train shows up and turns everything frosty. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't um, even understand that reference. Yeah, how do you not <laughs> understand course, that reference? Coors Light, the Coors Light uh, mountains turn blue. You don't you don't recognize that from like many Super Bowls in a row. There's like there's mm. always the Coors Light commercials always like oh there's a bunch of people and like they're sweating to death and they're like against a fountain and the fountain won't run and they're just like oh I'm gonna die and then all of a sudden a train made out of giant Coors Light cans will roll through and it's suddenly like snowing and everyone's holding the cans but not drinking because you can't actually show people drinking in an alcohol commercial. Nice. I believe you. I'll yeah, find it. But, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll send you uh, a Coors Light train commercial. Th- this film is all about the fashion. And uh, like, to be perfectly honest with you, like that is a little bit of form over function, especially when you see Paul Atreides like walking out and observing like these pine trees being, being watered by this guy in like full head to toe, like coverings. And he's like, sir, it's fucking hot out here. What are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm just going to have a nice casual conversation with you in my normal garb that I wear on Kaladin where it rains all the time. And you're just like, like at least the, uh, one of the men tats like has, has the thing where he like walks around with an umbrella. (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's that would probably be me. Like, I'd be like, fuck, it's hot out here. Like, yeah, give me that parasol. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are we doing? I mean, delicate and pallid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am a um, vampire. <laughs> I I do want to touch on one thing that I found interesting because initially I thought the the criticism wasn't very valid and upon my rewatch I found that it did break some sequences and that is the really really cool uh use of shields in this uh film Mm. and the idea that like a fast motion will not be able to get through but a fast and then maybe a slow motion once you get close and then break through the barrier and then continue to kind of like push in that can lead to a death uh, blow or mm-hmm. you know like there's this sequence that's really really cool especially on a second rewatch um when the uh 
the Harkonnens bomb the Atreides facility. Yeah. And you see these bombs like get like they are launched and they're coming in hot. And right before they hit the force field or whatever you want to call it, the shield, they slow down to like a crawl. Mm -hmm. And then you see this like red flash and then you see them like penetrate and then blow it up. And it makes sense, right? Like this idea that, okay, I will not allow this fast motion to like penetrate. I will basically like turn that into kinetic energy and rebound it. Right. Okay, Mm. cool. But, and in Duncan, Duncan Idaho's, which is a great name to say out loud. It's uh, also a ridiculous. His last name is Idaho. Like, come on. Like, okay, here's my argument. Think of how many people, you know, who were named after the city that their grandparents originated well, from so that's the thing is like graded from i get it you know like you know devon manchester like all right yeah that's cool like you know martin london or you know that makes sense all that makes sense to me and i understand that in a far-flung future come on danny houston all the houston's come on, come <laughs> all on, the hu- yeah. don't get me started <laughs> on people named Texas dallas boy. um but like you know it's it, it it's and i understand like yeah in the future blah 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 that could be a thing but it's just, it's still funny that it's fucking Idaho. Like, you can't take that away from me. I understand. It's a cowboy I name. Accept it. it. But, like, no one's like the Idaho kid, you know? It's just <laughs> like. Sundance kid. Right. It's like, you know, no. oh, like, yeah, exactly. It should be like Sundance or Yuma, you know? But instead, it's like Idaho. It's like, ah, oh, my family was big into potatoes. <laughs> but, uh. And the other yeah. guy's name is Gurney. Yeah. I'm going to go with Gurney. Anyway, um, but so the idea here is that, like I said, it, it reflects kinetic energy or like a, a fast blow. Um, they have a really great training sequence where you kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Paul even like kind of shows the audience, like he kind of puts the blade on his hand and then like puts it a little bit slower and then it penetrates and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. And there's this like really uh, great sequence when Duncan Idaho like takes down these uh, emperor shock troopers, Sardaukar. Uh, the Sardaukar, uh in in this hallway and at first every time you see him like strike a blow he like hits them and then like slashes slowly across and you see the red right because blue means that it's reflecting the energy that it's kind of absorbing and then red means that you have penetrated it usually that means like a death blow or something along those lines right so someone's gotten hurt at that point um and they do a really good job of it where every time he strikes them, he has like a slow motion, like he's got to do this slow motion. And then there's a second sequence that happens where all of a sudden it just seems like he just fucking goes ham and he's striking death blow after death blow. And like you see it turn red and it's very clear that he is no longer doing this slow motion kind of get close and then slowly pull across, get close and then slowly pull. No, he's just fucking like smacking them upside the head. And I found that a little, like it felt like he had kind of lost some of the texture there. And I feel like that's that now is kind of like on second rewatch. I was like, okay, 
now I see what people are like kind of criticizing. Yeah. That, you know, like, you know, I kind of saw that. And then and my rebuttal would be, uh, who fucking cares? Like, there's just like, it's just <laughs> sure. who like I, that. What a ridiculous, who gives a shit, you know, like, I, well, I mean, I, I, to me, a fantasy story has to like the big draw for me is I'm okay with all sorts of crazy shit happening as long as you set some groundwork. Right. But if Paul rules. was like and if you give wandering rules, naked through the desert and then you break in them, tap dancing, then I would have a problem if he didn't like die of exposure or get eaten by a sandworm. Like the, the, I don't, I don't expect that like you're going to be pedantic enough that you're going to be like, uh, like when, when, uh, scratchy pulled out itchy's, uh, rib cage and hit, uh, one rib, it made a different note than the first time he hit it. You know, is this okay. a magical xylophone you're rib doing- cage? Like you're doing, you're doing uh, comic book guy. I got yes. You. No, it's actually. I think it's just one of the nerds. I don't think comic book guy is the one who says that. Um, but like, yeah, it's like sure. Now, now you're getting pedantic. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but like, it's it's it it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's the the you understand that there is a reason that these people are able to not be murdered immediately, and you also understand that there's a reason that you can't use the shield out in the in the in the wider world, which makes it important because Paul can't use one when he's got a knife fight a man that he just met, but who he's been having dreams about, and like you know, so that's like I just like it's like yeah, it, it's there, and maybe like if you asked Denis Villeneuve or Jason Moa, they'd be like, oh, actually no, like you know, if you if you really slow it down even more, you'll see that I've done a slow thing first and then you're only seeing the fast movement afterwards like it's just it's just who cares like you understand watch the fight scene enjoy the fight scene and then like get the movie keep going on i mean i that's a that's a way to take it and i can also say that <laughs> it's a valid criticism i don't like, uh, no it's not a valid criticism i just i fucking okay. furious that we've talked about it as long as we have it's 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 such nitpicky bullshit i just can't i just fucking can't especially because it's not like oh like someone really really quickly stabbed duncan idaho to death and like that is like that would break it because then that's a plot related thing this is just like it's just a choreographed fight scene in a hallway with a bunch of people stabbing each other. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Speaking of people stabbing each other, I do want to talk about the ending um, before we eventually have to wrap up because we've been talking for a very long time and I'm super hungry. We didn't get to talk about the performances or the, Jessica. Everyone's great. We, we've been we've been talking a long time, but we haven't been talking about the film for that long because we only started the podcast like an hour ago. <laughs> We've been talking for about an hour and a half. Um, yeah, but I mean, like the performances are very good. Uh, I think I think that Oscar Isaac is serviceable. I mean, he's 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 given he's he's doing what's required uh, of him. I don't think that he's like gonna win a fucking Oscar huh, for it. Well, but no. I mean, he's 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 good in the role. He he is a stolid, like kind man who he might as well have the words "I will be murdered tragically" tattooed on his forehead. <laughs> sure. Hi, I am uh, Duke Leto Atreides. You may also know me by the name Ned Stark and or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, I am honorable. I will accept this call, even though it's a fucking death. I am the one good man in this entire story. Yeah, you know, I got to die. Uh, what I do like, though, and this is another thing, like with the, the Benny Gesserit being like, yeah, it's a messiah narrative. We need it to be a messiah narrative. Um, I do like the fact that he's like, of course, it's a fucking trap, Paul. Everything's a trap, but the fact that we know it's a trap means that we'll be fine. 
And later on, Paul's like, hey, like grandpa fought bulls and Duke Leto Atreides is like, yeah, and that ended really well for him. And it's like, this entire movie's a bullfight. And the climax of the movie is the bull fucking gored you to death. Like the whole movie is the house of Atreides being like, it's cool. We're waving the red flag. We're clearly about to get charged, but we believe that we can sidestep and stab right. And instead they don't realize that like the Bene Gesserit and the emperor are all like, yeah, we'll help the Harkonnens kill you. That's totally cool. We haven't even talked about the Harkonnens. Jesus Christ. They're really gross people. There's a lot to talk the about. Soviets this of this movie. <laughs> I don't oh, even. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Soviets. yeah. Well, just, I mean, the Baron's first name is Vladimir. Like that's all yeah. you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, this whole movie. I mean, well, the the series in it in of itself, I think, was meant to evoke Afghanistan. I was about to um, say. I mean, oh, a guy would name Vladimir on a desert planet being mean to the locals. I mean, what does that remind you of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Proxy yeah, no. wars and colonialism, and I was so pissed when he didn't fucking die. I, because I, I was like, yeah, Duke Leto Atreides, oh, yeah. murdering. Oh, honey, we, uh, that that he was not gonna die. Well, I was like, <laughs> oh, this explains it because now we're gonna get more Dave Batista, and he's gonna. He clearly isn't like a smart one, you know, because he's like, I can't believe the Emperor would do this to us, and everyone's like, imbecile. Like, when is a gift not a gift? Like, you know, this is clearly not what you think it is. And he's like, eh, I'm still going to pout about it, though. So I thought it was going to be like, uh oh, Baron Harkonnen's dead and Duke Leto Atreides is dead. And now you have their fucking slightly unstable, very pale offspring <laughs> going to go crooked ham on each other. But instead, it's like, no, Harkonnen lived because he had the little things in his spine that let him float because he's too fat to live. And then. And then fucking <laughs> attach himself to the ceiling. Yeah. Like a fucking, like a bat. Uh, like, I, you know what it reminded me of, actually? It was the Denis Villeneuve movie uh, Enemy, which, spoiler alert, ends with a giant spider appearing and uh, pressing itself into the corner of a room because it's scared. And I'm like, oh, he's like mm -hmm. the spider in Enemy. But we also got some more uh, spider imagery in this one with uh, the little pet of the Harkonnens. Oh, God. Oh, God. What fuck. the shit was that fucking thing? That that's, was like legitimately upsetting. <laughs> it, like, it looked like their sex toy. Right. Like, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, I don't know what it is, but I, there's just a part of it. It's like, did they sew like four people together and then. Oh yeah, are that's, they that's fucking what that thing it? Looks like, like they're fucking yeah. that thing, right? It's because it's in a gimp suit. <laughs> I, I think I think really it is the gimp suit. Like are... I think that's that's the skin. Oh okay, I thought you meant like that they somehow got the gimp suit from Pulp Fiction. Um, no, no. What was I? There's a lot of like really upsetting imagery in this movie. There's that. There's the uh, the scene where they're at the Sardaukar like launching pad or whatever, and they're getting their little like blood ash wednesday marks oh and you're yeah, like from uh, the crucified where, where yeah like oh where are they lap? getting all this blood and then it's like here this is where they're getting all the blood we've fucking crucified a bunch of people upside down and we're draining them of their blood and we're <laughs> ladling it up as a tuvian throat singer just fucking howls <laughs> no this is no, the no, one no, where he's like made, oh, oh, i don't remember that at all it is distressing yeah. it's like to have to yeah. listen to that it's just nuts. I remember um, I remember liking just the vibe of the movie. I don't 
remember that scene very well. Oh, dude. Well, uh, I, I, it's definitely a scene. It's nuts. (laughs) It's, uh, cause I'm just like, Oh, you've seen it twice. So I feel a little bit better. Yeah. I've seen it a hundred percent more times than you. Yeah. (laughs) But that, that stuck out to me. Maybe if we had recorded this on like a Sunday or a Monday, (laughs) we'd have some more memories of it. Um, I have plenty of memories, mister. Yes. Yes, you do. Um, what, what was the fuck? I was going to say something else. So the end of this movie, <laughs> um, I really liked, I liked the fact that like we're sitting in this whole movie and he's like, I know I'm going to get a knife. I know I'm going to die possibly, or maybe I'm not going to die. And then, you know, you you start to see the more spicy inhales, the more he like sees the future and you start seeing this guy who's like, Hey, like, yeah, follow me. Like, I'll show you the ways of the desert. Like everything's going to be cool. Friend. Yeah. I'm going to be the guy who like helps make you who you're supposed to be. And you're like, Oh, he's going to make like a friend and they're going to be like buddies and it's going to be great. And then the, the literal reality is that guy is going to fucking want to murder him and he's going to have to fight him. And the, his dying is that once you take the life of a man, you know, you, you die as well and you become something else. And so like, yeah, sure. you have like, to kill Paul Atreides to yeah. become the the Benny or no not the Benny Jesseret. What the fuck is he? The Hitsak Katarak or whatever. No one's gonna correct me on that. I'm gonna have to stand We don't alone. fucking know. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to his, Are we experts his, yeah. in like Semitic pronunciation? The Hitsak, it's the it's the like that. It's the I, I don't know. <laughs> someone someone help me. I'm trying. Fuck, man. I shan't. Okay, it's the Hisak Kadish. I think. Nope, nope. I think I just accidentally typed in two unrelated Jewish words. (laughs) (laughs) Tupac Shakur. My favorite holiday. Muad de... It's Muad Adib. No, Muadib is is the desert mouse. I think that's. Uh, I don't even think we get that name in this movie. They yeah, it's all... like his other identity in some ways, or his like personal patronus. Okay, I found it. It's the Kwisatz Haderach. Ah, okay. A term was used primarily by the Bene Gesserit. Is an old Chakobsa term. That translated literally as shortening of the way. I don't know what any of that means. Well, the Tesseract. The the Muad'Dib is also his name. He's got like a bunch of different names. He's got a bunch of names because the fucking sisters of the Bene Gesserit are just wandering around creating a hundred different possible prophecies that he could fit into. So he's he's possibly... The Binnies is the Hizak Kadarak. The Kwisak Hadarak. Correct. And then for uh, the Iraqis or the Iraqis, yeah, uh, they refer to him as the Muad'Dib. No, they call him the Lisan Al Gaib. They they call him like a couple of different things. Yeah, because yeah. the the Lisan Al Gaib is the like the voice from another world, right? And then the mm-hmm. Muad'Dib is the the desert mouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, there's the Quisach Quisatz Hadarak. This is when I like am am saying to myself like, yeah, actors earn their money. 
Because these motherfuckers <laughs> have to say all these words like they mean something and are real. Well, it, it's funny because this kind of goes back to like when I guess, I mean, there's there's been a lot of these lately, but, you know, when Game of Thrones came out, a lot of people read, you know, four or five of those books before the series ever released. Mm-hmm. And they were saying a lot of like Game of Thrones is chock full of names that you're just like, fuck, how do I even <laughs> say that? Right. And people were like Ned Stark. Well, <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. It, it, uh, it lets but, you in easy with Ned and then eventually gets sure. to like some fucking weirdness. Danis Targaryen and you're just like <laughs> Daenerys. How do, yeah, exactly. Danny. And you're just like, well, how do how do I say this? And then you hear the actors say it in the show, and you're like, Oh, oh yeah, I've been Daenerys. saying it wrong the whole time. Okay. Well, interesting. Like, again, uh, well, the, I've, the Harry I've never Potter seen... with Hermione. Everybody I pronounced always know it. it's Hermione. Okay, but yeah, I was about to yeah. say Inglophiles or Britanniophiles or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Um knew that that's Hermione. Like that's cuz that's a name. Sure. That is an actual human name. Um <laughs> okay. It's like it's like when I read Atonement and I was like, "Who is Poirot?" and then I saw the movie and it's like Poirot and I was like, "That's not any better." <laughs> um All you're telling me is that you're both Philistines. No. I am indeed a Philistine. Anyway, Anyways. I um, <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Where, where were you going? I was gonna say that I had the the problem in this movie with the Harkonnen. Harkonnen, because they call them the Harkonnen, right? Yeah, yes. instead I, of the Harkonnen. When I House read it, Harkonin. I was like, "Oh, it's the Harkonnen." It's like, no. Yeah, I feel like Harkonnen makes most sense. I mean, makes more sense. <laughs> Harkonnen makes most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, 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 I was pronouncing the main character's name wrong. I thought it was Powell. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm Ching. Yes. Um, anyway, so end of the movie, he kills a man and, uh, is born to be the, the Hitzak Kadiak. I can't remember. Maybe. I'm going to cut you all. The Maudib or the whatever, the, the Lisan Al-Gaib. I mean, again, I just I, even as I was watching it, I was like, I I don't even know if I was ahead of the movie or I. But like, I, I kept thinking, like, he said that the things in his head or the, like the dreams that he has never happen exactly as they as as he dreams them. Right. I, I, he, he says sometimes she says, do things like do do things in your dream happen exactly as you dream them? And he says, not exactly. You know, and so like I was like, oh, won't it be interesting if like if that happens here, if like all of his dreams like lead to a thing that are that is non literally true, and then he it does. I was like, that's not well, the kindly man that I was expecting. He's like screaming at him and wants to murder him with a knife, and like, oh, are they gonna like? And this is honestly like I was like, oh, or like is it gonna be that thing where like you know he bests him and he shows mercy, and then it's like, oh, well, we're buddies now. It's like, nope, he had to murder him. Yep. But like it was weird because I felt bad because I had had that character development from the uh, the like the spice hallucinations, which is mm-hmm. not a phrase I ever thought I'd say. Um, so I did. Mm-hmm. I I I do miss Jamis. Yeah, but you know, well, 
I mean, we may get him in some future visions. Right. That's I'm kind of wondering now, like, is he going to live like a whole parallel life? No. Is it going to be like a parallel life where it's like, all right, well, if you get high enough on Spice, Jamis will come back and be like. That's like uh, some real. Who was that guy? Robert Heinlein, who was like, oh, yeah, I've I've like I've lived in worlds that are concurrent, but different than our own reality. That sounds like Stephen King. I don't know. Or maybe it's Philip K. Um, Dick. It might have been Philip K. Dick. Who knows? Um, he like had all. It's if it's in the it's in the movie uh, Glitch in the Matrix, the uh, the documentary by the people who did Room Two Thirty Seven. Uh, like okay. they have archival footage of. I think it is Philip K. Dick saying basically like, "Hey guys, what's up? I took a lot of LSD, and I'm pretty sure I went to a different timeline where like the Nazis won or some shit." So, yeah. Robin, did you have another criticism? I thought you had one other. No, I just wanted to talk. Well, well. I mean, we can we can talk about the the white savior narrative and stuff like that. No, I don't need. To, I feel like I've said my piece about I feel it. Like I mean, we need to see where it goes. I mean, like, well, maybe Robin and doesn't because she's part of it. seen it. But like, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I am I am uh I am what's the word I'm looking for? I I believe that there is enough going on in this movie that it could further subvert or make an interesting play on the white savior narrative. Someone that I was listening to said something like, it's weird that you have this movie that's very influenced by the Middle East, but it, it didn't appear as though like there were Middle Eastern actors playing the Fremen. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I'm not going to say that I understand even like what all encompasses the concept of the Middle East or like that I know the background of a reactor who's in there as a Fremen. I will just say that like, I don't know that it works in the movie's favor favor. If you start to cast people specifically for that, I think then it becomes almost more problematic because then you're just like really leaning in. But then at the same time, it's like, Oh, well what if we made like the Atreides, you know, uh, people from from the middle east like you know maybe persian background or something it's like uh no i don't think that works either because then it's even stranger and mm-hmm. it's like a kind of return to where you're supposed so i think what i'm saying is that like there's kind of a no win scenario happening here um and i'm interested to see how the movie kind of plays around with that and um what you do in the future cuz like i don't know how the book describes any of these people but like 10,000 years in the future I have to imagine that ethnicity doesn't exist at all in the way that we know it today. Especially if these people are living on other planets. I mean, like, in this movie, the Harkonnen are fucking weird, pale gremlin people. (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing is the Bene Gesserit have been mixing bud lines and and doing a lot of this shit. Um, I thought you just said bud lights. Okay, I heard bud limes, and I was like, ugh. Okay. <laughs> Just to mix uh, in the Bud Light limes. <laughs> but so they're they're mixing bloodlines and um one of the things that I noticed on the second rewatch, I turned on subtitles about halfway through the film because I was like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll catch some more things if I actually like can hear what some of these people say Bananas. sometimes. <laughs> and uh the Baron actually calls um uh, Duke Leto Atreides, his cousin. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, "Oh fuck!" 
Wait, they're related? Well, like, well, but it makes sense. Okay. I mean, look at European royalty. I mean, they all fucking uh, hate I, I'm, I'm and not marry saying each that other. It, it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying that I didn't realize that this was such an intermingling of kind of the higher ups of some of these houses in a liter in in like real time. Like I knew mm. that the Bene Gesserit, because the Bene Gesserit, the idea is that uh, originally uh, Lady Jessica's offspring is supposed to be a female so they can marry her off to the House Harkonnen and then make that like a big thing. And Lady Jessica obviously falls in love and decides, no, no, I'm going to have a male. And, you know, that's within her powers to do. And so that's what she chooses. And they're kind of pissed because they're like, hey, we've been working for centuries trying to set this up and you just fucked it up by having a boy. Right. She really Leroy Jenkins that one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Thank you for laughing at that. Yes. I don't understand uh, the reference. You don't understand of the reference. You don't. What is she it? doesn't she doesn't get the the Coors Light uh you know <laughs> Were bullet you not train, alive? and she doesn't like, she doesn't get the Leroy Jenkins. Who yeah. that? Okay, all right. So uh, I'll just explain it really quickly. There was a video that went viral before like YouTube was even a thing, and it was of a guild, uh, a group of people who were about to do some crazy ass thing in World of Warcraft, right? So there's like 10 to 20 people hanging around and you can hear their little voice chat thing. And it's like, all right, you're going to drop like intimidating shout. And then we're going to do that. And it's like three minutes of inane, impenetrable gobbledygook like that. <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah, I think we have a really solid plan. I think we, so everyone get ready. And then someone who, right, someone who just either wasn't paying attention or like had left the game and like just come back was like all right let's do this and then he screams his name which is Leroy Jenkins and runs into the room and there's a beat and then everyone's like oh fuck Leroy just ran in there and then they and go then in and they all get like, murdered oh, oh shit oh shit oh shit okay okay I'm yeah. I'm trying to heal I'm trying to heal and they just get fucking demolished and, yeah they get and murdered by these the whole time creatures. they're like why did you do that Leroy like yeah. what what the they're fuck like, is wrong with damn you man it, Leroy <laughs> <laughs> and so that's Lady Jessica. She's like, oh, you need another hundred years to make the Hisakarish. Well, uh, Leroy <laughs> Jenkins, I just had a boy. Perfect. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah there's, I, um, there's a lot of a lot of shit that's like probably going to be either explored or not explored. There's apparently like, um, I don't know if y'all saw this, which is always fun. Uh, Jason Momoa was like, there's a four to six hour cut of this film. And I was just like, of uh, course there is. No. <laughs> Are we sure Fucking, it's just not part two? <laughs> I was about to say, God damn it. We're not doing another Snyder cut. Um, well, so that's the, I think Denis Villeneuve is one of those guys like Martin Scorsese where he's like, my cut's my cut. I, even if the studio made me cut some stuff, <laughs> it's over. I'm not fucking doing a director's cut. cut. Um, and like, you know, they always say that it's like, yeah, we shot so much stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. You always fucking do. The working print is always six hours long. That doesn't mean yeah, it's a movie. I've, 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 I've heard that so many times. Calm your fucking like, shit down. This, this is our first cut. Like, here we go. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. You know, it's six hours long. It doesn't have a narrative. Like, here we go. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what you take and then you hone it down. Like that's, that's why it's 156 minutes. 
don't know. Yeah. Uh, what y'all think of the Hans Zimmer spore? We've we've already talked about it, right? Loved Robin it. said she fucking loved it. I loved it. Pretty fucking sure loved we all it. loved it. I love Hans Zimmer. I mean, his 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 uh his work on uh what's gonna call it that movie that I really love that takes place in space and is by the oh, guy who made Batman Interstellar. Yeah, I mean, like sometimes I just wake up and I have that in my head, like it's just there forever. It's um it's amazing. It's I I, I like his stuff. I really like what he does. Wait, he did Lion King as well, like the original. Yeah. Shit, brother. I love that. Shit, music. brother, indeed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. No, Shit he's brother. he's really good. Um, <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about is the dragonfly helicopter thing. The, the ornithopter. Ornithopter. Yes. That thing is going to live in my memory forever. Dude, it's like, so fucking... This is the is- problem with this movie. And this is why we... Uh, I don't even know if we've actually <laughs> talked about this movie. Is because we're just like, you know what was cool? You know what was cool? You know what was awesome? And it's like, yeah, almost every literal fucking thing in this movie is so goddamn cool. It's just... It's actually like... This may be an impenetrable, borderline, nonsensical podcast episode. But I think that anyone listening to it can just feel our enthusiasm for this movie. And I think that that, in a way, is a a really good review in and of itself. Sure. Yes. But now that I've gotten that out of the way, yeah, Bill, the fucking dragonfly ornithopter is fucking awesome. The coolest. It was like the king of this episode. He's the duke <laughs> of this episode. He's the baron. Don't murder me. Don't murder me, please. <laughs> I, um, I haven't lived long enough. My husband did call me a Harkonnen like multiple times. Wow. Uh, you should... Well, considering uh, considering the way him. you treat him and what do you uh, mean? He, he should be saying quit using the voice on me is he is he your sex yeah. spider yeah kind of <laughs> also like where are the female harkonnens what do they look like i think they're those I don't weird hairless big-eyed oh things. no not the young little girls no. i don't know I, the bit okay here's the thing the harkonnens definitely have some buggering pedophile energy no, but like literally in the books, Baron Harkonnen is a pedophile. Oh, okay. See, there oh. you go. That's what I had heard oh. is that like you you kind of like they maybe sand down the edges of the Harkonnens even a little bit. Because doesn't also like Pitter wants Lady Jessica. Who is that again? Peter? He's, he's Peter? The, the, the Mentat for the Harkonnen house. Oh. Uh, okay. The guy who's played by Das Malshan. Who's yeah, in David like Dust. every uh, every every uh, every every fucking Denis Villeneuve movie? I mean, who didn't want Lady Jessica in this movie? Like Paul wanted well, Lady yeah, Jessica. That was that was yeah. one thing that we were meaning to to get. She to. was just yeah, not old enough to. Play I mean, they, I don't know that there's anything there. It's just like they're they fucking like looking at each other like they might want a bone, and like you know, who knows? Well, you know there's, what there's happens when you have a serious trauma. Yeah, every once in a while, shit goes bad, and you look around, and you're like, "Wow, my mom's pretty hot." (laughs) I did. I did like the idea that that (laughs) that they weren't married. I I thought that was a really interesting. Well, I mean, that's his that's his mom, so of course they're not married. No, no. I know. I know. Okay. Um, It's hard to know. Yeah, I'm. So I uh, here's the thing. I'm looking forward to the next movie. I'm I not having read the book, and maybe by you know two years from now I will have read the book. Um, I have no idea what to expect. I'm I'm very curious as to what's going to happen, and um, I'm excited for it. I wonder if this is one of those things where like we'll never see the emperor, 
you know, if he'll be like the president in Veep, <laughs> like if he's just going to be a guy that's kind of spoken of but never seen. Because I'll tell you what, he seems like a real piece of shit. Just a petty, jealous guy who can't fucking have a kid who's a son. I didn't think about the emperor a lot in this. I thought about the emperor in this movie constantly because I'm like, it's kind of a power move for him to not show up in this movie. (laughs) Like, he's just like, it's like, all right, yeah. It's a uh, very Thanos thing to do. Here's my incredibly, (laughs) like, just his herald has like a face made for like statuary like what people people should be carving (laughs) his herald's face yeah like he's like what a compelling just human being like just a very angular statuary i thought you said statutory oh my god robin no (laughs) no i'm not joking i was like what like People should go up to him and be like, I have a block of marble that I haven't touched in 40 years of sculpture, and I would love to carve your face. Um, but anyway, Benjamin like, Clementine. Yes. And so it's just, but like, you know, it, you've got this, basically the whole movie is just this emperor being a petty asshole and pitting these houses against each other. And he doesn't even show up again. That's a power move. That's how you know how powerful the emperor is. Because he's like, yeah, I'm going to send my envoy, and then I'm going to send uh, my uh, this, this Benny Gesserit woman, and then I'm just going to send a bunch of people with knives. So I'm like, I'm almost curious, like, do we ever see the Emperor? Or at some point is someone just going to say, hey, I just heard that the Emperor fucking killed himself like a little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and you're the Emperor of the world now, Paul. That's not a spoiler. I don't know what's going to happen. So sure. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to it. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know what, you know what is is funny is it kind of made me think of um that fucking Alita Battle Angel movie where oh, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, there's this dude who lives up in that place that's floating in the sky. And then you see him and it's like, is that Edward goddamn Norton? Yep. And then we never got a sequel and it didn't matter. And so that's kind of why I was like, it's kind of cool that like this movie ends the way it does, which is just like. Hey, I murdered a guy. Okay, let's go to the siege. And uh, hey, look, there's a dude riding a worm. Like, it's not a perfect ending, but I guess it's like the best you can do when you're cutting a book like this in half. And at least it's not like the ending of Alita Battle Angel where it's like, and here's a whole new, obviously important character played by the person who should ostensibly be the highest billed actor in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's that. But anyway, I am I am delirious with hunger and about to pass out. So uh, I am done speaking. But I have if to you make two, some cupcakes. If you do have anything you'd like to say, let me know. Doing me up, baby. <laughs> what does that even mean? Doing me <laughs> Doon up. Doing me. Doing me. Hey. Um, it means give me the sequel. <laughs> give me that Dune. <laughs> you want to see that Dune? Um, I loved the people on Twitter who were like tune, you know, with a t- with a two instead of a D. And then uh, I said Dune, uh, like the French no. for two. All right, Let's you're canceled. Am I canceled? Yeah. But Denis yeah, Villeneuve is like French Canadian, so it works. Is it Villeneuve? Because I've been saying it Villeneuve. Like I don't know. I just always kind of slur it and hope that I get close. I'm like Denis we're Villeneuve. We're gonna have to wait until the movie comes out. On Denny Villeneuve. 
Yeah, yeah. Then I'm gonna, you know, be like, oh, it's it's Harkonnen. I thought it was Harkonnen. <laughs> <laughs> it's Villeneuve. <laughs> that you actually pronounce every single letter. <laughs> yeah. It's Villeneuve. Right. <laughs> He's actually let's get Spanish? the fuck out of here. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. Uh. So let's. Uh. That's it. Uh. Robin, what are we talking about next week? We are talking about last night in Soho. Hell yeah. We're going to go to Soho. Can't wait. Um, It's uh, it's great. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I love uh, Thomas McKenzie. And um, they were both in two things that I really liked very recently. So I'm excited to see them together. The Queen's Gambit. Yes. Oh, yeah. And old. Ah. Thomas McKenzie was in old. Um, It's got that one guy who's got a face that I can't stand to look at. But I will try to get over it. I like his um, face. Talk about the guy from uh, Doctor Who. I don't know. Matt Smith. No, Matt. Wait, I thought Doctor Who was the guy from the Leftovers and uh, the guy with the round face. There's, There's been multiple doctors, doctors. <laughs> In, including a female. Well, the, I named two of <laughs> them. Show is literally like sixty years old. I I know, but I wasn't. I was assuming you meant the recent ones. I didn't realize that this this weird kind of block faced man was a a doctor. But yes, yeah, I guess that's him. Um, I don't like him, but I'm hoping that he's not in the movie a lot. Anyway, we'll be talking about last night in Soho. Um, We'll be doing that soonish, uh, so look forward to that. And um, that movie will be in theaters. So uh, slap a mask on, get your booster shot, and get on out there and check it out. Um, until then, uh, don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi mubi dot com slash filmstage for a free thirty day trial of Mubi. We are also brought to you by our fine patrons. Go to patreon dot com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And uh, that's about that. So let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we shout incoherently into their ears. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram and mixing it up on the Slack channel as always. Sweet. <laughs> and Robin Barr. You can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I've been a little errant about my Twitter usage lately. I've just been super overwhelmed with work, um, but I'm hoping to get back into the fray as we hit award season. Awesome. As for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, all of my things at Brian J. Rowan. This weekend, uh, if I get this episode out in time uh, for you to hear this, uh, on Saturday... I will be repping my distillery at the Maryland Beer, Wine, and Spirits Festival, so check that shit out. And, um, yeah, you can find all of my writing and every episode of this here podcast at thefilmstage.com. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. Bye.